All right, so let's talk about the flood story a little bit. Uh, pretty tragic story, isn't it? Pretty dark story uh, where God just pretty much said enough is enough. I'm just absolutely going to wipe the slate clean and we're going to start all over with this remnant. It's going to be eight people, Noah and his family. So God makes the excruciating decision to wipe out all of humanity, literally, to wipe out. The scripture says everything that has the breath of life in it, uh, everything on the land has gone. Now, all the fish and stuff survived, except for some of the ones that got caught up in some of the landslides and mudslides and all that kind of thing. Uh, God saved Noah and his family, eight people. Now, think about that. Think about how bad it must have been for God to make that decision. Now, he, he will later in Genesis 19, he, he's going to make another decision, but it's not going to be global. It's going to be more centralized to Sodom and Gomorrah. He makes that. But, but you think about how bad a society's got to get to where God says, mercy is over. That's pretty rough, isn't it? And the flood story is that. So, so just a brief thing here. We, we could spend a whole several classes talking about judgment and end time judgment, that personal judgment, uh, the judgment seat of Christ, the great white throne judgment. We could talk a lot about that. But judgment day has now come for the people in Noah's day. Judgment day, where God pretty much said, uh, it's sealed, it's over. Okay. Now, even, even in that, God said, I'm going to give you a 120-year grace period here. I'm going to give you 120 more years before I do this. Remember he said that? All right, so now, what the flood story kind of becomes, and several other stories, and you need to heed these things. And a lot of times, you know, the Bible says things about, like Jesus. He's, there's something Jesus said in Matthew 7. He said, you know, you said to me, Lord, Lord, and I've done all these things in your name, but I'll look at you and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You know, when you hear those kind of warnings or you hear about the falling away or warnings like this, this whole flood passage is kind of like a warning, right? I mean, you need to take heed to that kind of stuff. It's serious. You don't need to slough it off. Say, well, I'm okay. Uh, just make sure. Paul said to examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. You know, you need to examine yourself. So it's a warning passage to remind us again. And there's several Bible verses. And I, I hope you've lived long enough to understand that sin is a dead end street. It's a dead end street. Now, it may be good, there may be pleasure in it for a season. We know that's true. There's pleasure, for, but it's a dead-end street, isn't it? And the scripture says that the wages of sin is death. Now, what are wages? What's that? Because that's, that's, that's like a paycheck, right? That's how much it's going to cost your employer to pay you, right? So, so the paycheck that sin always gives you is death. Now, that may not be the eternal death, but it may be the death of a relationship, the death of your integrity, the death of all kind of stuff. Uh, but it certainly ends in that other kind of eternal death if it's not resolved in Christ. So now, in, as far as judgment goes, God has made a promise to all of us that we are going to all be held accountable for how we live the life that he gifted to us. God has given us an opportunity to live. We're living on his real estate. We're breathing his air. We're taking up his space. He, he's, he's going to hold us accountable. There's a lot of stories we could go into that Jesus talks about. Uh, in fact, Jesus says that this is how judgment's going to be. Judgment has been turned over to the Son. So there will come a day when everybody, everybody that's ever lived, including us, we're all going to stand before Jesus and we're going to give an account of the good or the bad, whichever, however it lands with you, right? And Jesus says this, I'm, judgment's going to be given to me. And he says this, some are going to be resurrected unto righteousness and some will be resurrected unto condemnation. But everybody's going to stand before him. So that, that's just a sobering thing. And it's kind of real sobering when you get to this kind of thing. 
And it really makes you want to check yourself before you wreck yourself, you know. It really does. And, and we need to do that. We need to do that pretty regularly. You know, God had the Jews. Once a year, he had Yom Kippur. And, and that whole feast right there was surrounded around repentance to where he made everybody in his nation take a vacation to where they took spiritual inventory where they were with God. And for one week, you had to deal with that. It was a season of repentance. and it, So God's serious about all that. So now, it's not a pleasant subject, but it's much needed, isn't it? All right, so, all right, let's look at this. Let's look at when the rain starts and when the rain stops. Let's get into this flood. Let's go to 713, and then we'll go over to 8. Four, eight, one through four. All right, so let me pull up, pull up my Bible here. So what I say, verse number 13? All right, isn't that fancy? Just pull up the Bible, just kind of scroll through it, all that. Mm-hmm. We can read it in Korean if you want to. I got it in Korean. Y'all, anybody want to read that? I mean, I got, I got like 100 translations wrapped up in this little program here. I mean, I can only read the English, and I have troubles with that, but <laughs> all the other ones. Go back to 13, that's right. 7, 13. I knew there was a 7 in there somewhere. All right, so now, on the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, there's three of them, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two of all flesh in which is the breath of life. So why two by two? What's the purpose? They're going to reproduce later on, right? These animals, male and female. And some of them, remember he had some of the clean animals, he had to take seven. Remember we read that earlier. So those that entered... Male and female, all of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Mm. It's about to get rough, isn't it? God shut the ark of the door. Everything, everybody got in there, all the animals got in there, and God takes his hand and he closes the door and shuts it. Now, that's, that's another point. Mercy's over now. There's only going to be eight people that survived this. That's pretty tragic. Now the flood was on the earth for 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits. Remember that's 18 inches. A cubit is here to here. About 18 inches or so. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And every man. Man, every human. All in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life. All that was on the dry land died. So he, God, destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground. Both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air, they were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 
150 days. So the rain started. It's, we got 40 days, and remember, the flood is not just caused by the rain. We got 40 days and 40 nights of monsoon type rains all over the whole globe. But it's not just that. The scripture says that the windows of heaven opened up, and that, that heaven, that, that firmament that God had created, that's basically the waters that are in the heavens, which is our atmosphere, and then the waters that are on the ground, which is our oceans and seas, that's collapsed, and the seas, all the springs in the earth, bubbled up. So you got this horrendous thing that happens. It's, it's a catastrophic event that happens. You've seen some of the flood waters. You've seen some of the tsunamis that happened in TV. You remember just a few years ago in, in India or Indonesia, one of those, I think, Indonesia, I think it was. I mean, that tsunami, it's just, it just horrific. I mean, just, this is a horrific event. It's rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And all the waters of the deep come up and the heavens come down. And it all collapses. It's a decreation moment. We talked about that last week, right? It's, it's the opposite of what God had separated and brought apart for order and for life to happen. Now it's the decreation where God reverses that and it all collapses on itself. Which is where sin ends up for everybody. If you stay in sin, it will absolutely collapse on, on you. All right? Now just reading that a little bit, that's when the rain starts. That's when the, the flood starts. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? Talk to me. Well, I was thinking about that 120 years. He gave them that and still mm-hmm. nobody, mm-hmm. nobody changed. And, you know, the scripture says in Hebrews, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So evidently Noah was warning folks about what was going to happen, you know, about what to do. And, and you know what? And Jesus said, when I come back, it's going to be kind of like in the days of Noah. Everybody's going about their business and nobody really cares about what really matters. You know, that's my paraphrase of that, but that's kind of what he's saying. Nobody really cares. Everybody's just going to go about their business. And then it kind of way, way it is now? Mm-hmm. What if? Well, if you read that, I mean, it kind, of, it kind of sits sour on your belly, doesn't it? I mean, when you start thinking about it. I mean, you just read through it and you just kind of move on to the next story. But when you start to think about it, it's like horrific. I mean, it really is pretty bad. Yeah. They just didn't Sure, absolutely. And animals too. I mean, all the, they are gone too. But it kind of sits on you heavy that, you know, what this, it can get real serious when you go the wrong direction. You know? Anybody else before we move on? Scripture doesn't say that. Just, just Noah and his three boys and their wives. And his wife. There's only eight. It says only eight. Isn't that crazy? Not like that could because of. I mean, as it's raining, and eventually that water is just covering everything. Mm-hmm. And if they heard the word, knocking on the door trying to get in. 
You would think that, that very possibly could have started happening, but what, what happened? What happened prior to that? What did God say he did? Shut the door. Now see, that's, there's a... Are you talking about saved as Lord? Yeah, I'm sorry for what I've done. Well, if you said that, is that what you're talking about, put? I'm sorry, I didn't think about that, but you know, you hope. You hope like that if, some if folks you repented. After the rapture, you know, there are things that talk about that, you know, what, I go back to our left behind book that we all read that after, the, you know, people were saved, but so many times they gave their, as their life was taken from them, beheaded and all that. Yeah, sure. So, you, you hope so. You hope. You hope, but. Mm-hmm. But here's here's the thing too the, the way the picture is painted it, that more people were probably shaking their fists at God like what do you think you're doing than they were then, dropping to their knees. Is there, I think it's when the Holy Spirit departs where your heart will not be. You know God said it, he said that in chapter 6 he said I'm not always going to strive with you. I'm not going to keep fighting over this battle and keep going after you. So when God pulls that striving away from somebody and stops dealing with them and just basically turns them over to themselves, they don't get better from there. Right. We, we don't understand how good it is to have that, even if you don't, I mean, there, I, for many years in my life, I didn't respond to that at all. Yeah. But he was still there. But that's a darkness we, we uh, don't want to taste. I can promise you that. So. so, all right, so now let's look and see where the rain stops. Now, the rain stops in 8, 1 through 4. All right, so now let's go, go to that. The next chapter, right here, getting in chapter 8. Then God remembered Noah. That's a scripture way of saying God's about to do something. God has something on his mind to help. Okay, it's not that God, oh, <laughs> wait a minute, now, there's a guy floating around out there, I better find him. It, it's not that. I mean, that's the way the English kind of renders it. But it's that God's about to do something on Noah's behalf. And, and God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters subsided. When's the last time we saw a wind like that? Uh, the Holy Spirit was hovering. Over in Genesis 1, right? Kind of same idea. And the fountains of the deep, remember the waters that were bubbling up out of the earth, streams are still there today. That's how come you got a well. They're there. We just tap into them when we need them. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. Okay, so we keep getting these numbers added up. You, you, if you did the math, you would see that Noah and his family stayed on the ark for about one year. That's a long time to be on a boat now. And, and that ain't, this ain't no cruise. And, and this ain't the love boat. This ain't the cruise and the love boat. This is a serious thing. Okay. Now, now let me back up just for a second into our, the flood deal. Now, go with me inside the ark. Okay. Okay. Uh, while this is still tossing and turning and doing this thing, it's still on the high seas right now. What do you think the mood is on the ark? I mean, we're speculating. We don't have any scripture on it that I know of. 
What, what do you think it's like on the ark between them eight folks? Yeah. You think Noah and his wife are still getting along? I mean, never mind. I, I shouldn't bring that up. <laughs> well, yeah, the boat is nice and big, so why don't you go down to the lower deck? I'm going to go up here. That's right. So we, we can't kill each other. We all we got. <laughs> but what do, you, what do you think the mood is on the ark? They're probably wore out. I imagine there's a lot of praying on the ark, don't you imagine? Lord, I, you know, I pray whenever I was Sandy. I, I, I can guarantee you they were praying in the, in the ark. <laughs> I, they were praying, I, I can guarantee. But I, 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 got, I got the feeling it's a little bit mixed. I, I mean, I'm just talking from a human standpoint. I, I got a feeling they're, they're very grateful. But it's pretty dark. You know, it's, it's a dark time. I mean, they, they can hear the thunder clapping. And they hear the waves crashing. I mean, you you can't not hear that. So I mean, it's it's probably a mixture. We're grateful that God has saved us through all of this. But you know, they had friends and family too that were. It'd be very sobering, wouldn't it? Yeah. It'd be very sobering to be thinking about not just you being saved. You know, but everybody else being lost, you know. Hmm. And so. Noah's faith is strong, but then you look at the three sons, their faith as strong as Noah. We're going to find out that one of them wasn't. We're going to find that out. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, now that's the ark. We could think a lot about that and kind of psychologize that kind of thing. But now let's, let's go to heaven. Let's let's take a step into the heavenly realm. What do you think it's like up there? We've got a little bit of God's mood's already been given to us. It grieved Him to have to do this. It grieved Him. It's it's like a parent that just has to absolutely do the finishing final work on something that's not good. It's just awful. It's awful. Uh, like even even from a standpoint not death but when you have to just cut off a child because there's some very crazy inappropriate destructive stuff going on and you have to just say I can't help you no more I got family we've had to do that too you know what I'm talking about we just can't help we love you and that's I, I feel like that's God I, I love you but I just can't help you anymore and this is headed straight towards destruction and I just have to accelerate it and get it there and this is what's going to happen I, I can I can imagine now I'm speculating again but like the angelic host are looking like, what in the world is happening? It's crazy. Anyway, you see that. Verse 4, then the ark rested. So the waters are receding. And then the ark rested in the seventh month, the seventeenth day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. I wonder where we got that kind of information from. Who would be the only one to know that? Noah. Noah. 
So, so you think about these kind of things, these stories. It's not like Moses is just getting this stuff on the mountain and God's just automatic hand. These stories have been handed down from generation to generation to generation. Noah told his story. He told his story. And it's quite a story. <laughs> it's quite a, quite a deal. All right, so let's, let's get a little bit more information here. All right, so now, some proofs of the flood, you know. I just wrote down three. There's, there's whole books and a lot of scholarship on the proof of the flood. But let me just give you these three. Uh, the first proof that, that this, is, this is what I need. This is all I need, really. But it's, it's nice to have the other. God's word bears witness to it. That's the first proof that there's a flood. And you notice how the Bible talks about the flood. You just read that on the 17th day of the seventh month, that kind of thing. How, it's not writing it like it's a fairy tale or a fantasy, is it? It's writing it like it's history, like it's something that actually happened. So God's word bears to it, and uh, Jesus confirmed it in Matthew 28. He confirmed Noah in Matthew, Matthew 24, excuse me. Uh, the, the, another proof is that numerous cultures have a flood story. Numerous cultures. You can just about go into any culture, into their ancient history, into their ancient records, and they have a flood story, some kind of rendition of it. Some of it's got some of the same details as the Bible, some of it's different. But everybody's got a flood story. Somewhere around 6,000 or plus years ago, something happened that changed this planet. And nearly every culture writes about it, somehow or another. Uh, historians have noted, some sources I read said 300 to 500. Uh, so 300 plus flood stories are in the annals of history. Okay. Uh, the third thing, this is, this is a fun thing, really, uh, especially if you go digging and looking around or whatever, the fossil record found on every continent is a, is a witness to the flood. You know that? You go digging some of them creek stuff, you find all kinds of stuff, don't you? Well, we have right out there in Melbourne, and it's up in the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it, the Massachusetts Bay Colony? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have the fossil record so, so, now how are fossils made? Okay, now some of you hunters, okay, if, if an animal dies in the woods and it just lays on top of the ground, what happens to it? It just disintegrates, doesn't it? Eventually, it just disappears. So how is a fossil made? Mm-hmm. It has to be something like a flood that has... And you know what? There are fossils on every continent of this, of this planet. Hmm. So something happened to cover... These animals died instantly, were covered up by sediment, packed in. And you know, every time you crank up your car... Every time you put gas in your car, guess what that comes from? Fossil fuels. There's so much rigmarole about all that kind of stuff in our election and all that kind of thing. But where does all that come from? Now think about this. Every, every time you get gas, it's a testament that something happened. Something ha- you know, we don't think about that kind of stuff, but it's, you know, we, we still live off of it. Uh, now, here, here, we like these kind of fossils. Y'all probably been to museums. You've seen these, these big giant dinosaurs and all that kind of thing. They find these bones, all that kind of stuff. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this is the one that they found something similar to that. Something similar to that that they found right here. Uh, the, the research I did, just off the Internet, and, of course, it's on the Internet, so it's got to be true. Uh, <laughs> uh, fossils like that, that guy that... It's, it's basically a flesh-eating whale is what it is, okay? It's not like it doesn't eat the krill and all that stuff or whatever they call it. Uh, it's a flesh-eating whale. You, that's, that's hence the teeth. Uh, they found fossils like that here in Choctaw County. They found them in Clark County. They found them in Washington County right here, okay? Hmm. 
So at one time, this was underwater. How about that? Yep, there'd be many more if we had able to dig. But but you know you can go any any of these creeks all around here, and you find shark teeth all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's almost you just look down and there, there they are. They're all over. Well, the place. Fossil fuel because uh, shark got cameras, um, and they they got the oil. I mean, oh yeah, first oil well now It's right here. It's right here. Sure. And uh, many. Sure, all this stuff happened like here. I mean, it, w- this area was part of that part of the flood, which you'd expect it to be if everything's covered underwater. So it's just interesting to me. All that kind of stuff is just it just confirms our our faith. It confirms the stories that God has handed down. So we can trust what we're reading, you know, all that stuff. And true, true science always tends to confirm all this, you know. It's expected to be then the fossil fuel that the Lord, after that, he knew, and we was going to need that oil, that oil's got to come. Yeah, well, it, it seemed like it was all in the plan. Now, it's not just, and that's, it's not just made from animal carcasses, the fossil fuel, but, but vegetation too, pressed under like that. So, um, and you know, there's, there's all kinds of scientific stuff. You can get on the answers in Genesis. They'll talk a little bit more about that, how um, there are theories we don't know because nobody was there, but like the Grand Canyon was made during this time. You know, that it didn't just happen or like the Colorado River over millions of years. That's how a lot of geologists talk about that. But if you have a flood, I don't know if you've ever seen that kind of thing. I mean, a flood will come through and just wash out the road. Now imagine the flood being this gargantuan. You know, it, it moves the real estate around a whole lot. A whole lot. Anyway. Those that grew up here, always remember across the road over there, the falls. And then right here at the bridge, right, right, right there, I can remember it being kind of a little bit. I told you that, that old saying, Lord willing, and the creek, creek don't rise, that, that means a whole lot of something different around here where, my, where I live now. <laughs> that used to just be a little fun to, funny country song kind of thing, but now it's for real. It's reality. <laughs> all right, so, so uh, I, I hope when I give you the reading assignments you're reading, because I, I can't cover all the details in our Bible studies. Um, so the water recedes. We've got more chapter 8 here. You know, he sends out a raven. To check out the land. Now what's a raven? It's an unclean bird, isn't it? And he, he swarms around. Then he sends out a dove. And the dove returns back to him and sends it out again seven days later. And then the dove comes back with an olive branch. Right? And that's Noah's cue that things are, are back to life again. Are coming back to life. Right? And he sends the dove out one more time. He doesn't return. And that's when God said, okay, y'all can get off the boat now. So, so now let's go go to thirteen of of chapter eight. And kind of struggled on how to how to teach all this because you kind of just got to read it, you know. It came to pass in the six hundred and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked. Evidently, there was some kind of hatch up top where he could look out, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. 
Thank you, Jesus, is what he said. Thank you, Lord. And in the second month of the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. And then God spoke to Noah. That's kind of how all this thing started, wasn't it? God came to him and spoke to him about this ark. And now God's going to speak to him again. And for Noah to come out of that ark and to hear God's voice had to be the biggest relief of his life. He says, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Uh Uh-oh, where have we heard that before? Back in Eden, right? Be fruitful and multiply. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Oh, what you doing, baby? You trying to get by? <laughs> I don't know if she's going to stay up here with me. All right, now verse 20. Is that, is it, where, where's your notes say to, to huh? All right, I'm going to keep reading here. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. That's interesting. The first thing that he did when he come off of that ark was he built an altar. What was that a sign of? It's worship, isn't it? It's worship. Noah built an altar and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt sac- offerings on the altar. He offered sacrifices unto God. Remember, he told, told him to take seven of the clean and then this for this purpose right here. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. He smelt the sacrifice coming up. You know what the Bible also portrays? Now, God smells that sacrifice of that burnt animal. You know what it says God also takes in? is our praise when we sing it to him. It just kind of lifts up to him like a sweet-smelling aroma, it says. That's interesting, isn't it? And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. All right. Now we go to verse chapter 9. Is that what your notes say? Verse 1 to what? 1 to 7. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Mm, where have we heard that before? God blessing somebody, then the blessing is to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. We've heard that again, huh? And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth. That's that master kind of thing that he puts on man over the animals. And on every bird of the air, on all that moves on the earth, and all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Mm, That's interesting. Now you can eat meat, Noah. You can have a barbecue. How about that? Now, before it was just herbs and all the stuff of the field. Now we can barbecue. Thank you, Noah. (laughs) That's the one good thing that comes after. Somebody said, if God didn't want us to eat meat, he should have made it taste so good, right? (laughs) Anyway. Every moving thing that, I, that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. But you shall not eat flesh with its life. That is, don't eat the blood. So we get a little bit of guidelines here. Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. 
From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. Now here's where that makes sense right here. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. So God enlisted capital punishment. So if a beast was to kill a man, you kill that beast. If a man's to kill another man in some kind of crime or conflict that's unjust, that man is to die. Clean a few things up, wouldn't it? Why, why did God put this rule? Now, here is the universal law for all of our laws, for all the criminal laws we've got and all that kind of. The universal law is the reason you don't mess with folks is because they are created in the image of God. That's how God made them. You see what I'm talking about? That's the foundation of all of our laws in our country, too. You know, why are we to respect each other? Why are we to respect each other's properties? Well, that's God's people. They're, they're in God's image, Okay. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Keep saying that, right? Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. All right, where are my notes at? Where, where are we at on my notes? All right, so now. Now God is going to make a promise to Noah and he's going to give him a sign. All right, and you're very well aware of this. You've seen it and all of us have experienced this. So beginning in verse number eight, God says he spoke to Noah and to his sons with him. So it's kind of a family thing there. As for me, behold, I will establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth, thus I establish my covenant. God's going to make a commitment, a covenant, a promise. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Interesting enough, God has just said already, man still got evil in his heart. But I'm, I'm not going to destroy them again like this. That, that's, that's good to know. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. That means forever. Okay. I set my bow. It says rainbow in the English. It says bow in, in the Hebrew. I set my bow like a bow, like a bow and arrow. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And it shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So what is the sign? It's, it's to be the reminder, like this, like this ring right here. That, that's, that's a sign of my covenant with Sandy, right? And I look at that, and I'm to remember her, and I'm, I'm to honor her. And honor our covenant together, right? I got this sign. This is, this is for my covenant with God. I, I, every time I look at it, I put them on every morning. Every morning I say, Lord, help me love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every morning I put this on and say, Lord, help me love my wife as I'm supposed to, you know. I, I do that every morning. It's, it's my, my little ritual. It's just my remembrance. It's my signs, right? So God's got a sign. He puts it out. You've seen them before, right? What's the sign? You know this. It's the rainbow. 
It's the rainbow. Just the other day, after it rained, just the other day, right across the road right here, there was a big old double rainbow. I don't know if anybody saw it. It was just a few months ago. It had to be a few months ago. It, just, it ain't rained that much. But right over that road right there was a big rainbow. So what are we to remember? I mean, God's going to remember. He said, I see these rainbows, and they're in the clouds, and I, and I remember. So what, what kind of a sign? What are we supposed to remember? Now, we, we're supposed to remember this flood now. I'm just going to tell you. You're supposed to remember that, hey, follow God. Just follow him. It's supposed to be a reminder. Now, it's my theory. Now, you don't have to believe this, but it's my theory that the rainbow thing didn't work until God said this. That's my theory. Now, that may not be correct, but I'm going to believe it until he tells me different. That it didn't, it didn't work like that. The refraction of the light and all that didn't work like that to emit the colors. God said, this is my sign. I'm going to put it in heaven for you to see. All right? Now, here's a point. Okay? Look at this. It's a bow, right? It's a bow. What, what else is a bow? I mean, that's, that's an instrument of war, right? Now, think about this. Where is that bow pointing? It's pointing into heaven, right? Hmm. Here's, here's a thought. Here's a thought. Just chew it on for size. You don't have to get on board with me on this, but it's, it's what I think about. God's not going to point his bow here again at the people. When he makes declarations like this, he's pointing his bow into the heavens. It's going to take the life of his son. You see what I'm talking about? Just thought. You can chew on it. Take it or leave it. But I like it. <laughs> it reminds me that the bow's pointed towards him now. He will take the brunt of the next, which that's what Jesus did. He will take the brunt of the major judgment. Jesus will. Anywho, let's wrap it up with this. This is a bizarre, bizarro story that this ends. You know, some of y'all are tripping out over the Bible because it's got some wild stuff in it. It really does. I mean, it's It's crazy. Here, verse 18. This is some time past because they've, they've cultivated a garden and did all this kind of thing. He's now got a grapevine and he's, he's busting out some Mogan David and all this kind of stuff. Now, <laughs> it's just been some time has passed. He's got a little vineyard. He's got some wine bottles going on. Look at this. Now, the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We, we've heard their names before. And Ham was the father of Canaan. Remember the Canaanites, the, like the pagan folks? Hmm. Interesting detail. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. It started back with them and their families. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk, and he became uncovered in his tent. Okay. When's the last time somebody was spoken of about being naked? Hmm. Something happened in the garden like that, didn't it? Mm-hmm. So something bad is either about to go on. All right. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Sham and Japheth took a garment and laid it on both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness. of They went into the room of the house, tent, whatever they were living in. And they backed up. They didn't want to look. They covered their father up. 
Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah woke from his wine, sobered up, and he knew what Ham did to him. What in the world? Then Noah, clear-minded now, said, Curse be Canaan. That's his son. That's Ham's son that's coming. Curse be Canaan, a servant of servants. He shall be to his brethren. The lowest of lowest is what he's saying. And he said, Blessed be the God, blessed be the Lord, the God of Sham, and may Canaan be his servant. And may God enlarge Japheth. And may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. This is weird stuff going on here. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Now, what in the world? Let's, let's make a little sense of this before we go. So Noah gets drunk, right? That ain't ever a good thing, really. Ham, his son, saw the nakedness of his father. And Shem and Ham, or Shem and Japheth, covered the neck. See the difference? One of them exposed or did something dastardly, and the other covered. One was honored, another was cursed. Now, what, what in the world is this idea? Okay, now, three possible ideas. They saw the nakedness of their father. I didn't want you to write anything down, so it's just right there in your notes. Uh, something, something not good happened, because when Noah figured it out, he come out, he come out cussing, boy. Yeah, cursing, really, not cussing, but he came out cursing. He might have said a few words too. I don't know. Something, something happened, and none of them, none of these ideas are good. And I'm sorry to even have to talk about this, but this is very possible what happened, and it's it's not good. Some kind of perverted lusting at their father's nakedness is what Ham did. Some something real, kind of homosexual kind of thing. The other possibility is is that he sexually abused his father somehow. Now, the third possibility is even, even worse. And this is why the, maybe the son of Ham got cursed. The other possible idea is in Leviticus 8, this same phrase, to see the nakedness of your father, is a law that's put in Leviticus 18 about not sleeping with your father's wife. So it's very possible that Ham had relations with his mother. It's crazy. Okay. Well, you got a wife, though. Yeah, but their kids had to have sex with each other. Yeah, they did. Adam and Eve's kids had sex with each other. Mm -hmm. And Adam and Eve's kids, they were mixed. They didn't have genetic deformity. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're right. I mean, the, it was a tight. Well, they weren't having incest to, up to this point. And it wasn't called incest until later in the law that come about. But... To, something something real perverted has happened, and there's no doubt about it. The way that that's worded, there's something really perverted has happened uh, to the point that Noah curses Ham's son. It's 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 just weird. It's awful. I, I don't know which one of those three to pick. None of them, none of them work for me. But something nasty has happened. Now, why why is this bizarre story in here? This little bit bizarre story. The text is telling us. That just in no time, sin is back in the mix. You see what I'm talking about? Sin is back on the prowl again. After all that, witnessing all the destruction of all the entire earth, it didn't take anybody no time. What's it kind of remind you of? 
kind of reminds you of something happening in the garden, doesn't it? See, this is another failure. Like, see, God hit the reset button to get it all started again. And boom, men make the same mistakes. So when Paul comes around and says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, he's, he's talking about everybody now. And sin is back in the mix. True. And it's in us too. You've got to be careful. Or it's around us if it ain't in us. All, always. Now, now here's the, the sin's back in the mix again. Like bad. The family. This, this is a, a, another first family right here. It's back in it again. It got in the first family like that. Now it's getting in Noah's family like that. It's going to get so bad in just a few generations that you're going to have the Tower of Babel and God's going to have to strike again. You know about? And we're going to talk about that next week. All right, talk about it. All right, questions, comments before we go? I, I know this is hard to make life application for all this kind of stuff, but sometimes we just need to take it in. Just take the story in.